Welcome to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. Discovering in Christ to love the life we live and learning how to live a life of love. Well, welcome to Vital Life Connection. And it is Wednesday, and I am with a very special friend of mine. As you've known, as we go through these different interviews with different people, I do have many times the opportunity to bring some good friends on the show and people that I really respect. And the uh, gentleman that I have with me today, I really respect. I met him way back in 2009. And uh, back then, I was struggling with some areas in my life and uh, with the uh, whole aspect of sales and the whole aspect of, of speaking. Um, and this uh, man was very instrumental in coaching me in many areas in my uh, in, in those areas. And so I want to pay it back. I want to bring him on my show today because he has so much wisdom, so much cool things to say, especially yes. when it comes to wealth. And so I want to welcome Jamie Swindell to the show today. Uh, welcome, Jamie. It's so good to have you here today. Hey, thanks, man. I'm glad to be on. And Jamie, um, just for my viewers to uh, kind of know who you are, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell, tell my viewers, um, or should I say viewers and listeners, uh, a little bit about uh, who you are um, and uh, what you do and what your passion is so that they can kind of get a little bit of taste of the Jamie Swindell I know and love. Okay. Well, I'm just an average guy, really, uh, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, and because of my upbringing, I've, I've seen a lot of bad things happen to good people. I've seen people get beat up and robbed and shot at and all kinds of stuff. So uh -huh. initially, I thought everybody was dangerous, can't be trusted, and I should really try to stay away from people as much as possible. Right. And so that train of thought led me to become an electrical engineer. And I thought, hey, if I can just, you know, be in a computer room somewhere, playing with some wires or computers, then that'd be a much safer way for me to go. I'm, I don't have to worry about the computer robbing me. I don't have the computer. I'm worried about the computer doing a drive-by, you know, some of the things that I've, I've witnessed. Wow. Um, and so that's what I did. Went to school, got my degree, um, started working for Johnson & Johnson, you know, the baby company, as an electrical engineer. And so I used to manage and support the computer network. Anytime there was an issue or something, I was the one called in to fix it. And all that stuff was great uh, for a while. But then there was just this emptiness in my spirit that I just, I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't like living life large. I mean, like, right. like enjoying it. It was just kind of going through the motions. Yeah. And uh, it got to a point that one day I was sitting in my desk and I don't know how spiritual your uh, audience is, but I, I, I've, I've learned that I must tell my truth <laughs> and people can hear it however they hear it. Because mm -hmm. um, Christ said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. So he's not going to deny me. But as I was sitting at my desk one day, I really heard God's voice clearly saying, it's time for you to leave. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I didn't really know God's voice. So I thought it was more like indigestion. I, th <laughs> <laughs> I thought I ate something for breakfast. And it's not agreeing with me. It's yep. the now I'm hearing voices. <laughs> but I looked around the office and no one else moved. When I, when I heard this voice, I can tell no one else heard it. Right. So I just kind of shook it off. And a few hours later, um, God said it again strongly. He said, it's time for you to leave. I'm thinking that makes no sense because I don't have any money. 
uh, saved up. I'm barely paying my bills. Mm-hmm. Um, you should at least have at least six months of, of money, you know, bills and stuff paid up. Have enough money to pay, cover six months of your bills before you leave. That's what I always heard from entrepreneurs that I know. You want to have a nest egg, have some, just in case you don't find your next thing or it takes you some time to get in the, the, the path, the groove or whatever you're going to do. You want to make sure your bills are, are paid. So I didn't have any of that. And I'm thinking, um, this doesn't make sense. So I kind of shook it off again. And a few hours later, it was the voice was very strong, very clear. It was like a Samuel, huh? What do you say? It's almost like a Samuel three times. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, exactly. Right. It was just like that. And, and it was so strong and gripping that I knew I had to pay attention that time. Uh-huh. So that night, I just went home and prayed. I said, God, you got to show me something. Um, just don't have me make a dumb mistake. I mean, I, I think that was you talking to me today, but ah, I just, I, I, none of the facts line up. None of the logic lines up. I have a good job with benefits at a Fortune 50 company. I'm a young guy from the streets of Philly. I'm in like a prime position here. And he said, but are you happy? And I said, no. He said, well, follow me. Mm. I'm like, yeah, but um, I, don't, I don't have the money and, you know, the logistics. Right. He said, are you going to trust me or not? Right. Right. I said, all right. So the next day I handed in my resignation, totally nervous, totally scared. And I don't recommend that anyone just walk off their job if, mm-hmm. they, you know, if they're not happy or whatever. Just you know, then I'm just telling you my story, what happened to me. I'm not saying everyone should do the same exact thing. Um, but I, I resigned and my boss uh, said, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Because uh, once I hand this in, there's no turning back. And I'm like, am I sure? Inside, I'm like, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I'm sure, you know, okay, yes. <laughs> and uh that that launched my entrepreneur career right there so i, I walked That's away awesome. wow you know the someone had said to me once they said you know if you could take money off the table if you could if money wasn't an issue and people weren't an issue people's opinions weren't an issue to you and you didn't really you know what would you do you know what would you do and That's i think right. that was kind of your moment right i mean though god was leading you and taking you it was you know i can't be in this place another second longer right. if god is moving somewhere in another direction but of course money is important sure. um, in the sense that you got to feed yourself you got to pay uh you know your bills etc but uh you know you took that leap of faith so yeah, you go. You leave your company then, and uh, you're off to start your business. Uh, where do you go from there? I mean, all you've got is a voice from heaven, and uh, and uh, and a direction. And really, I mean, kind of no direction except start my own business. Uh, where did you go from there? What was what was your thoughts? What, you know, yeah. had you any money saved up? Nothing well, really. That was my same question. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't have a job now. I'm at home. And I'm like, all right, God. So now what? <laughs> and he said, well, just like what you said, Juan, he said, if money was not an issue and time was not an issue, what do you enjoy doing so much you would do it for free? And that, that's the key to your listeners. Mm-hmm. What do you enjoy doing so much that you would do it for free? Mm-hmm. And as I, had, as I examined myself, uh, the thing that popped up for me was speaking and training. 
You see, at J&J, I was typically the person that volunteered to train the new engineers as they got started. I got a joy out of helping people do something they could not do beforehand and to be able to assist them in doing that thing just turns me on. And so I thought, yes, well, I'm going to start my own training company. That's what I love to do. And so I started in the public school system in Philadelphia, going to different high schools, wow. teaching students how to find their purpose, how to find their passion, that thing that they love to do, and right. then start a business around that. So I was really helping students do the thing that I was doing. I was identifying my passion, helping them identify their passion. And as I'm walking things out for myself, I'm helping them walk it out as well. Um, and that was just truly uh, enjoying. Wow. I, I just had a, just uh, just did well, something to you. That was quite a uh, branch because when we started this, you said, you know, here's this young man who decides to uh, go and get an electrical engineering degree so he can fiddle with wires and computers in a room. <laughs> and now you are suddenly in a situation where with fiddling with wires and computers, you, if I can use this terminology, uh, or you run into, or like a, a car wreck, you, you run into your passion. Uh, did you know that was your passion before that? Why? Because you had said you were just wanting to fiddle with wires in the room, but so you discovered your passion within a job that was not really geared for that type of thing? If I that, That's correct. I mean, what I found is that uh, God puts within each of us a gift. Mm -hmm. And that gift is genius level potential. Mm -hmm. And our whole life in the beginning is really about finding that thing. Because the sooner you can find that thing, mm -hmm. then the quicker you can maximize it, monetize it, help other people. And so although I wasn't necessarily seeking it initially, as you mentioned, I kind of ran into it because as I'm helping new engineers do the wiring thing, I didn't really care about the wiring thing and the computer system set up and the servers and the all the technical stuff. I enjoyed showing them something and then watching the smile mm. and, and seeing that relief like, oh, that's how you do it. <laughs> that, that was bothering me. I couldn't understand it. But the way you explained it, that made sense. Oh, man, thank you so much for showing like that. I got a lot of juice out of that. And so right. what I found was that it wasn't that. I didn't like people. It was that as long as I felt safe, then I loved people. Ah. So it was just about really a matter of my personal safety. So as long as I didn't have to worry about people robbing me and sticking me up and fighting and all that, as long as that's off the issue, that's off the table, yeah. then I'm free to be me. Okay. And that involves loving people, caring for people. All that other stuff was just a defense mechanism. So you know, when you're on the subway, but you, you decided to put yourself headlong into some of the most difficult people, teenagers. <laughs> yeah, but they, um, I mean, at, at that point, I realized that a lot of the fear that I had, it was unfounded. Uh -huh. So, yes, on a subway, you got to kind of have your, your spidey senses up a little bit right. higher than if you're in a classroom, than if you're in an auditorium where people that are assembled there to learn from you and hear from you. The, the danger is not as high. So I didn't have to be as on guard um, as I was when I was on the subway. I mean, I would be sitting on the subway and see somebody walk up to somebody and just like snatch their earrings out of their ears or hold a gun right. to them and right. whatever. 
just random kind of things. So that was, that's not the same thing in the classroom, not the no. same thing in the, <laughs> no. so I had to kind of separate. It's not that all people are dangerous and right. all people are evil, just that, hey, some areas you got to requires a little bit more self-defense. But right. taking all that off the table, if I'm not concerned about my personal safety like that, yes. there's nothing more that I'd rather do than be in front yeah. of people and share with them something that can make their life better. That's so what I love you the most. So you get into the public school system. You are now teaching young people to uh, discover their passions, just like you discovered your passion. I'm yep. sure you're telling them that you know, sometimes it, you find your passion in the weirdest places, like you found your passion in the weirdest place. But uh, so you move into the public school, you start teaching, you've got this training company um, that you are, you know, creating. So where to from there? What, what started happening? What, um, you know, was, what was the momentum there? Did you stay there for a while? Was that, are you still doing that? So I did that for quite some time. It was awesome. And one of my friends came to me one day and says, Hey, have you, have you ever heard of contract training? Mm -hmm. I'm like, nah, what's that? And she said, well, there's these companies that do all the marketing. They do all the advertising to get people to come to a seminar. Mm -hmm. And they look for independent trainers like yourself that can come in and teach those courses. Would you be interested in that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so they're going to do all the work all the marketing, all the advertising, I just show up and then teach the crowd, whatever the subject is, say yes. I say, I wanna find out more about that. So one of these companies was having an audition uh, that next day after I talked to her uh, downtown Philly. So I went to the audition, it, it made a lot of sense, um, the explanation of the company and just kind of all that. And so I took them on as one of my clients. I flew out to Kansas City, that company's headquarters, met the executive staff, the founders, all that good stuff. And I took one of my clients and started giving seminars on their behalf on different business skills like customer service, communication, leadership, presentation skills, things that I do and enjoy and feel pretty good at and have gotten lots of accolades for it over the years. And it was just, it was right in alignment with what I was doing with my um, speaking as far as in high schools. Right. People how to find their purpose. Because I've realized that for me, and again, I, I just got to share my truth. I remember I was in the shower one day uh -huh. and is this another indigestion story? No, no, no. <laughs> I knew God's voice by this time. Oh, okay. <laughs> Excuse me. And I prayed to God and I say, listen, God, um, if you would, could you please tell me what is my purpose? Like, why did you create me? And if you could just make it short, is to sing something that I could remember, I greatly appreciate it. And the very next thing I heard him say was, Jamie, I created you to help inspire and activate people to really do the things they really want to do in life. You're going to help them create a better lifestyle and they will call you Mr. Lifestyle. Oh man, I got so excited from that. I jumped out the shower really quickly, wrote that down, like Mr. Lifestyle. That has a ring to it, Mr. Lifestyle. So my whole life from that point has been about how do I show people different tools and methods and keys and wisdom to help them create the lifestyle that they deserve. Yeah. So speaking in high schools, helping kids find their purpose, that helps them create a better lifestyle. 
right? If I'm giving business seminars, teaching people how to communicate better, how to present better, how to go for that raise, how to figure out some computer stuff, some Microsoft Excel stuff, whatever, that's helping them create a better lifestyle. So all everything that I do is about helping people create a better life. This interview I'm doing yeah. is to help your viewers find something in what I'm saying that inspires them to do something that helps them create a better lifestyle. So that's what my whole mission, purpose, passion, and business is all about. That's awesome. You know, um, one of the things that uh, you had, we said right at the beginning of the interview was that when you had left your job, you um, went without any money. So I'm taking it that throughout this time that you had now got into schools, you got this, that God was, there was a provision that came that wasn't there before. <laughs> um, sort of. Okay. So here's how God works. Okay. <clears throat> and again, I'm gonna tell you my story. Not everybody's story is going to be exactly the same, but I will tell you that God is a good God. And when you ask him for things, the Bible says that his answers are yes and amen, which means that most things that you pray for, if it's in alignment with what his purpose and plan is for your life, he's going to grant you those things. So I remember when I was in college, so this is before I was at J&J, &J, <coughs> excuse me, before I had a business and that kind of thing, I prayed to God. I said, God, listen, um, back up for a second. I grew up in the church, but then when I went to college, I kind of went away from God and was kind of doing my own thing. So it was kind of like, I just had a prayer here and there, but I remember praying, God, as I become successful and whatever it is that you have for me in the future, don't let me mess it up. Like, don't let me just throw it all away because I, I admire people who've been to the mountaintop and then they make some catastrophic mistake and then they fall to the pit. And then like the Phoenix, they rise again and go back to the mountaintop or beyond. <laughs> they're going from ashes to greatness. Now I admire that, but I don't want to do that myself. <laughs> I don't want to have to go to the pit right after I've been to the palace. Right. Once I get to the palace, I want to stay at the palace. So that was my prayer to God. Don't let me mess up whatever it is you have for me. Okay. So I'm telling you that because that plays a part into where I'm going. All right. So you asked me, was there provision after I left my job? Well, after I left my job, I had to come face to face with a pornography addiction that I had since I was about eight years old. Mm -hmm. And it was all, you know, I was, always in the magazines and DVDs or VHS tapes back then. Just, I just love looking at porn. It was, I mean, of course most guys do, but mine was just on a whole other level. So by the time that I'm now in my twenties, I left J and J I'm at home every day. I would wake up in the middle of the night, use the bathroom or something. Then I would see, I have an email on my computer screen. So I click on it and it'll say, you know, Hot teen girls, click here. Hmm, okay, what's that about? <laughs> click on the link, and then that link will take you to a page of a thousand different links. And see, one thing I learned about myself is that I am very completion oriented. So right. whenever I start, I must finish. 
Right. So I must click on each of those 1,000 links. Right. Now, each of those links would lead to more links. Right. So I may have started this process at 1 a.m. or something. It would seem like I would blink, and before you know it, it's midnight again. Wow. I spent the whole day looking at pornography. Oh all day. Wow. It was like a demonic force was holding my face at my computer screen and I could not move. Like I would barely go to the bathroom, maybe once throughout the whole day. I was just focused. Mm -hmm. So people would call me to do speaking engagements, to go to their high school, to go to different business events. And I would be annoyed when the phone rang because it was interrupting me from my pornography. Oh my goodness. Wow. So yes, God was sending business to me, but I was rejecting it because of my addiction. Well, isn't his grace amazing? He still chased you down even in that, huh? Even in that, even in that broken state. Sometimes we think, man, God, I am so deplorable. I'm so nasty. I'm so sinful. You could never use me. That's not true. Paul, the apostle Paul killed people. Mm -hmm. He was the chief murderer of Christians. He right. was there when Stephen was stoned. He was holding the coats. I mean, he, he, he was all up in the bad stuff. And yet God turned him around and right. he became one of the most prolific writers of the New Testament. Right. So Paul gives me hope. <laughs> I never killed anybody. <laughs> hey, if some of you have, hey, you probably didn't kill as many people as Paul did. So, <laughs> so God can use anybody. Wow. So while I'm going through this process of looking at porn, rejecting business, eventually that leads to me, you know, getting eviction notices on my door and all of that. Right. And so it came to a point where my landlord gave me an ultimatum. Listen, you got to be out of the apartment by this date or have all this back rent. And I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was talking to one of my good friends and telling him the situation. He said, oh, man, you got to move out. Like I was talking to him on a Sunday. And the next day was the deadline I had to be out that Monday morning by 8 a.m. Right. And I'm talking to him maybe about noonish, And he said, what did you say? I said, yeah, I have to be out by tomorrow if I don't have, I think it was like three grand or four grand or something, um, back rent. He said, you don't, you don't, you, how much do you have? I said, about $50. So <laughs> <laughs> wow. I said, I'm going to come by and I'm going to help you pack up everything so you can move out. He said, excuse me? Oh, time out. I have a two bedroom, fully furnished apartment. I don't have the first box. You want to come by and help me pack up everything and, and, and move out? He said, yeah, man, that's what friends are for. Right. Mm. So by the way, is this before, before you were told about Mr. Lifestyle? This all happened before the whole Mr. Lifestyle experience? Um, this, the moving out piece was before the Mr. Lifestyle stuff, okay. yes. Correct. And so a couple of things. When my friend said that, and number one is show me, and this is a good teaching point. You want to have good friends around you, mm -hmm. have good people around you, have folks that can see the goodness in you that you can't even see yourself. That no matter how big and bad and strong you think you are, you need somebody. Right. You need somebody that can gird you up, that can lift you up. Notice even though Christ was God incarnate, he still went out and found 12 people that could help him with his mission. He could have said, I don't need it. I'm God. I create all these people. Why well, I need these 12 losers 
Yeah. Right? I'm God. Even he saw that it was valuable to have people that can help him. Right. And my friend, when he also told me that, that he was going to do that, it convicted my spirit because it was like, wow, would I have done that for him? Right. If he was going through what I'm going through, would I have said, hey, I'll come by and pack, pack everything up for you? Answer was no at that point. Right. And I realized, wow, I'm not as good of a friend to him as he is to me. Right. You know what? I got to work on my selfishness and the world of Jamie and get outside of my comfort zone so I can help others even when it's not convenient for me. Right. My friend doesn't know just all those things that he did for me just by saying, hey, I'll come by. No big deal. I got you. Right. So fast forward, he comes by, he calls a couple other friends. Everybody comes over, descends on the house. We pack up everything. And by 7.58 in the morning, we put the last piece of furniture on the truck, close the door. I then walk over to my landlord's office. He was just pulling up, 8 o'clock on it. He was very uh, prompt. His name was Bruce. Came in, Bruce, <coughs> I need to talk to you. He said, hey, you got the money, man? This is the day you got all the money? I said, no, I have the keys uh, to the apartment. He said, what do you mean? I said, I packed up everything, man. I, I don't have it. And he said, I can't believe you're going to leave me hanging like that. Cannot believe it. I, I, I had been bat, I was going to bat for you, talking to my superiors for you, and now you're going to leave me dry like this? I said, Bruce, I'm sorry. I don't have it. Here, here's the address where I'm going to be. Here's my phone number, all that. He says, ah, man, get out of here, man. You're lying. You're never going to pay me. So now I'm going to pay you back because this is just a temporary inconvenience. I know I'm going to do this. And it was so embarrassing for me to have to say that to him. Like, man, I gave you my... <laughs> gave you my word and I can't keep it. Right. And that, that bothered me. It bothered me. I said, I'm not going to ever be in a situation again. So fast forward. I move out, move in with my parents, which was another low. I'm like, oh my God, I go back. I got to go back home. Right. And my mom, she's very traditional. So her thing is, hey, you work for a good company 30, 40 years, get a nice retirement. You know, that's how you live life. Don't rock the boat. So when I left J&J, my parents thought I was crazy. They really thought I had lost my mind. Right. So now I'm back home. My mom is like, hey, you ever thought about getting your job back? You know, did, did God really tell you to leave your job and move in with your parents? Mm. I, did you ever hear that story about uh, the lady who drowned her three kids in the river because she said God told her to do it. Oh <laughs> I'm like, mom, are you trying to compare me to the lady who drowned her kids? <laughs> wow. God told you, she said God told her too. So, Hey, <laughs> both y'all look crazy to me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm constantly getting ridden by my mom like this. Right. right. I stayed focused though. And I kept, doing seminars. I kept getting better. So now you were accepting the contracts coming in? Now I'm accepting the contracts. I got to get out of my parents' house. Right. I can't stay there. It's like the, press, the pressure was just too great to be there. Right. At the same time, as this is going on, one of my good friends from college invited me to come to uh, church with her. Now, I hadn't seen her in years. I'm back in Philly. She lived in Maryland. And so I'm like, why would I go to church in Maryland? I don't go in Philly. I don't go to church in Philly. You know how many churches are around here? 
She kept saying, my church is different. It's amazing. It's this. I'm like, yeah, everybody says the church is so amazing. Uh, but I hadn't seen her in a while. We were good. Just platonic friends. I hadn't seen her in a long time. I said, All right, I'll, I'll go visit one time. So I visited her church, and I was blown away. I was hooked. You know, God knows what bait to put on the hook. And I went there in the middle of, her, of their finance convention. And their pastor was talking about how God wants you blessed. He wants you to be successful. If you're a child of the most high God, why would you not represent him accordingly? Right? What king has his kids walking around, you know, with shoes that got holes in them and their robes all jacked up and dirty, hadn't been washed, their hair hasn't been groomed? No king would allow their kids to walk around like that. The, the king's kids should represent the king. And see, this is an information that I always believed, but I never knew scripture for myself to, to attach to it like that. Right. This pastor was giving out scripture. So I'm like, oh, this is it. So I'm like, God, show me how do I keep getting fed like this? Because I'm like, I'm all in it. So I'll go back to Philly. I said, God, I don't want to have to take this two and a half hour drive every Sunday, each way. Right. If that can be avoided, can you show me something like this in Philly? And so I started visiting different churches and I found a church that was very similar, had a very similar message. And then I was hooked. That is when everything changed right there. So I gave my life to Christ fully as an adult. Right. Uh, I just jumped all the way into the word. Every Sunday I was there for all three services, front row, taking notes. I mean, I, I, I check this out. The same type of tenacity and persistence that I used to look at porn. Right. God took that and redirected it towards his word. Right. So I could sit in church for three, four hours, five hours, however long, each service without having to go to the bathroom, without having to talk to people. And I could just focus on the word for three services back to back and not even be phased, just like I was doing when I was with porn. Wow. And then God took the taste from porn from my lips. I remember I was going to church one, I came back from church. Mm-hmm. And as I'm in the car, God said, it's time to throw away all your pornography. I said, you got to be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how much stuff I have amassed over these years? I have way too many videos and magazines and pictures on my computer. There's no way I'm throwing it all away. He said, it's time. You're either going to trust me or you're not. Right. Wow. That's, you know, that's one of the things that I've, you know, that I love about that is that you can, you can have the seven step program, you can have the 20 step program, but it's only by God's grace that, and by his Holy Spirit that he can change us uh, from the inside out. We can do all the outside change, but that's what grace does. It changes the heart. It changes the appetite, it changes the taste of what we're wanting and he can redirect it. And it's all by the Holy Spirit, the one living in us. Because a lot of people who listen to it go, well, I've been battling with this addiction or this area in my life for so long and I've tried this program and that program. Sometimes it comes down to the point of just, you know, going to the Lord and saying, Lord, you know, you change it. I've been trying to do it my way. You do it for me. And uh, I I love that. I love the way that, you know, you didn't have to go to 50 programs before you got set free. He came and he set you free within an instant. Thank you for listening to Vital Life Connection with Oren Rudolph. For more information on other available teaching, 
please visit our website at orenrudolph.com and follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash orenrudolph.